This podcast is intended for healthcare professionals only. Welcome to a new series of the Diabetes Knowledge into Practice podcast, bringing you news, views and updates in diabetes care. This new series will be CME accredited and this episode is accredited for up to 0.25 AMA PRA Category 1 credits. So to claim your credits, go to diabetes.knowledgeintopractice.com to complete a pre and post activity assessment. Today's episode is supported by an educational grant from Eli Lilly, who've had no influence on the content or the choice of faculty. Today, we're going to focus on the relationship between diabetes and COVID-19, with a focus on what this means for healthcare professionals caring for people with diabetes. To start the episode, we'll examine the latest clinical findings before hearing real-world clinical insights from Professor Partha Carr, who's the National Specialty Advisor for Diabetes with NHS England. You can find Professor Carr's disclosures and all the references discussed today in the episode notes. A year ago, we published an episode looking at the more practical aspects of diabetes management, as severe restrictions remained in place in many parts of the world. Since then, a wealth of clinical data has continued to be published on the relationship between diabetes and COVID-19. So today we're taking a closer look at these data and what they mean for clinical practice. Firstly, we know that the link between COVID-19 and diabetes is bidirectional. On one hand, diabetes is associated with an increased risk of severe COVID-19. On the other hand, new onset diabetes and severe metabolic complications of pre-existing diabetes have been observed in patients with COVID-19. Two years into the pandemic, researchers are shifting their focus to the long-term consequences of a COVID-19 infection, termed long COVID. Long COVID causes what the US Centers for Disease Control and Prevention describes as a constellation of other devastating symptoms such as brain fog, joint or muscle pain, and fatigue that can last for weeks or months after a person recovers from initial infection. Beyond the acute phase of COVID-19, Growing evidence suggests that some people could experience a wide range of post-acute ramifications, including diabetes. Several studies have documented a rise in type 1 diabetes during the COVID-19 pandemic. In addition to this growing incidence, there's also been an increase in the number of children presenting with more severe diabetic ketoacidosis than in preceding pre-pandemic months, according to studies such as those by Camreth, Gottesman and McClacken Burn et al. According to Shanane McClacken-Byrne and colleagues, it's paramount that paediatricians and primary care providers are aware of this link between COVID-19 and new-onset diabetes severity. Children and young people with suspected new-onset type 1 diabetes require urgent clinical review. In a US Centers for Disease Control and Prevention report released in January 2022, Experts recommended that healthcare providers should screen for diabetes symptoms in children with a history of SARS-CoV-2 infection. Similar results have been seen in adults. In one large cohort study by Yan Shi and Ziad Al-Ali, using data from the United States Department of Veteran Affairs, they found that people with COVID-19 were more likely to be diagnosed with diabetes in the year following their infection. Around 181,000 veterans who tested positive for COVID-19 had a 40% higher risk for incident diabetes during the post-acute phase compared with a contemporary control group. Overall, COVID-19 survivors had a 46% increased risk for incident diabetes and excess burden of incident antihypoglycemic use beyond the first 30 days of infection. 
According to the authors, diabetes should be considered as a component of the multifaceted long COVID syndrome. Post-acute care strategies of people with COVID-19 should also integrate screening and management of diabetes. This was also suggested in a retrospective cohort analysis published in March 2022 by Rathman and colleagues. This analysis looked at 35,000 individuals who'd recovered from mostly mild cases of COVID-19 and found that after a median follow-up of nearly four months, there was a 28% higher incidence of a new type 2 diabetes diagnosis compared to matched controls who had had other acute respiratory tract infections. The authors wrote that the results therefore support active monitoring of glucose dysregulation after recovery from mild forms of COVID-19. Although different theories have been proposed for why COVID-19 is associated with an increased risk of new onset diabetes, there are still some unanswered questions for future research. The data raise important questions about the relationship between COVID-19 and diabetes regarding causality and biological mechanisms. Here to answer some of our questions is Professor Partha Carr, National Specialty Advisor for Diabetes with NHS England and Consultant in Diabetes and Endocrinology at Portsmouth Hospital's NHS Trust. So firstly, it's been well established that people with diabetes are at a higher risk of developing more severe COVID if they catch the virus. But it's also been reported that COVID might be responsible for increasing rates of diabetic ketoacidosis. Could you briefly summarise what you and your colleagues found in your publication last year in The Lancet about this? Yeah, so what we saw uh, in that particular paper is that if you had a background of type 2 diabetes, you certainly had a rise in DK admissions during the course of the pandemic. If, however, you had type 1 diabetes, the rate of DK went down. And then there was another group, which was more about they didn't have any established diagnosis, but they're coming in fresh with DK, which has gone, which has basically risen the whole question at the moment around does COVID translate into diabetes for a new diagnosis? But in general, in type one, it had gone down. In type two, it had gone up. So that's pretty much the summary of that paper. And what do you think might be the causes of this? So there's lots of speculation around it. I think one thing that happened during this whole course of the pandemic in the UK is that type 1 diabetes had this massive explosion of technology, use of self-management devices, so flash glucose, EGM, etc. And that straight away gives you, frankly, much more tools to keep an eye on your diabetes, to make adjustments for the sick day rules, etc. Type 2 diabetes didn't necessarily have that. So that's one big change. The other one, the highest risk group in type 1 diabetes tends to be people of age groups, you know, 16 up till 2025. They are people who go to university, uh, people who have got other lifestyle changes, and that also had really shut down a lot because people were at home and all that sort of. So many factors in there, lots of speculation, but I think lots of it has been pinned on the fact that there was much better ways of self-managing their diabetes and making the sick day rule adjustments. And what about in the case of type 2 diabetes? Can you expand on what might be the reason behind the increase in DKA there? Yeah, so there's a lot of theory out there. And one of the probably seminal papers is from Stefano Del Prato, which talks about the possible pathophysiology as to why it might translocate. And I think what we were seeing is people coming in with established type 2 diabetes were much higher rates. The numbers were much higher. And the idea behind that, or at least the 
view is that the virus was precipitating uh, real pancreatic cell injury and thereby the whole predisposition towards ketoacidosis. So normally, you wouldn't see a lot and lot of ketoacidosis in type 2, but you've definitely had a much more of a spike in the pandemic. So that that's the speculation that that could be responsible for the rates of DK in type 2 diabetes. Thank you. And is there any evidence to suggest that patients who get COVID-19 will fare differently according to any particular pharmacological or other management strategies that they're receiving for diabetes? And if so, should clinicians be changing anything in their treatment plans? So the short answer is no. The longer answer is we did a paper on this. So and, and the paper is very much designed around exactly the question which you said, which is, you know, is there any particular medication which makes it better or worse? And the answer was no. The only group which we saw was associated was people who are on insulin, but that was important to understand these are people with long-standing type 2 diabetes and poorer control. So it was not necessarily the medication which was causing worse outcomes. It was the duration, it was the length, it was the higher HbA1c which was predisposing it. But I think the big question really was, uh, you know, does metformin or SGLT inhibitors or GLP-1 analog, does it protect you? And the answer to that was it was all pretty much at par and there was some extra protection or worsening. So, yeah, that was the sort of short overview of that study as well. Now, moving on to some of the more recent data that's found an increased incidence of diabetes following COVID-19 infection. Is it right to infer that COVID-19 can cause diabetes or other other factors that might be in play we need to consider? Yeah, and it goes back to the paper I referred of Stefano Del Prato, which talks about this pancreatic injury, which might be caused. There are some data which from the States and then further on from Germany. I mean, doing the UK data, which is, again, uh, the question is whether it will show very similar patterns. And I've already mentioned that with people without any existing diabetes, there were, there were some rates of DK. So that would straight away say to you, maybe it is there. Maybe there is some sort of spike coming through. I think the million dollar question is, is it a transient one rather than it's forever? And I think if the theory is or was that it was causing pancreatic injury, thereby causing diabetes, there also could be the other side of that with time when the virus wanes and settles, the injury would settle and your diabetes would settle. So I think there's a lot of work still to be done in that. But definitely American and German data showing definite spikes and the UK data should follow very soon to sort of establish that one way or the other. So anecdotally, certainly we hear from colleagues that they have seen more cases than they normally would. So if COVID-19 is in fact a risk factor for diabetes in the post-acute phase of infection, do you foresee dysglycemia screening being a part of clinical guidance for COVID-19 infection follow-up? We, we have been very clear about it, about anybody coming into hospital uh, should have a uh, glucose screen straight away, absolutely, because that's a very fundamental part of exactly that. We don't know that if they might have already got diabetes because of the COVID. So one of our guidelines is very clear about it, the national guidelines, that if you're coming into hospital with COVID, you should absolutely have a glucose screen done to ensure you don't have diabetes. So yes, is the short answer to that. Now, as the virus continues to circulate, but we have fewer currently active public health interventions in place, what are the most important things for clinicians to do to care for their patients with diabetes at this time? Yeah, so we're in a very difficult space at the moment, whereby you have this ju juxtaposition of politics with health science, and you know, you're everybody struggling to get their head around how do you sort of play it around. And I think what I always say, and I've said what I've always said throughout the pandemic, is that there is no question COVID is still around. 
There is also no question that the vaccines give you a degree of protection compared to where we were two years back. And if you've got diabetes, um, then you are at higher risk. So you try and do the modifiable as best as you can. With type 1 diabetes, with the recent NICE guidelines, it pushes it further out about self-management. And I am a big, big, big advocate of that, saying that if you give people self-management tools in such environments such as pandemic, it's even more important that people have the visualization. So part of the NICE guidelines also expands it out to type 2 diabetes on multiple doses insulin. Again, those are the groups of the highest risk because of the A1C. So my advice to people is, you know, it is what it is as regards the health regulations, as I said, the juxtaposition with politics, but you try and do the modifiable as best as you can. You know, you wear masks when you're in sort of, you know, closed environments, et cetera. You make sure you've had all your vaccine booster doses and whatever's needed. Um, but, you know, you do the mitigation as much as you can because of the risk factor that it carries. And finally, what would be your take home message for clinicians supporting people with diabetes in the context of the ongoing pandemic? So I think one of the big things that comes out of the pandemic is that we are good at providing care, but we're just not good at providing care at equal pace to everybody. And I think that's quite important. It's shown us the importance of deprivation. And I think that's very, very important, especially in the UK, where so much gaps are now emerging. You know, you've got heating bills, tax rises, all of the sort of, and I think we need to be as clinicians very, very cognizant. And I'll give you a couple of examples with that. We talk a lot about technology. We seem to have just not quite got it across to the ones who need it most, the deprived population. That's number one. And number two, when we're talking about, and we're very, we're very casual about saying you need to just have a better diet. People forget that a better diet is not cheap. So we need to bear all that in mind when we are giving our advice, because at the end of the day, clinicians will have a degree of privilege around them. So we need to be very careful and very clear about what we're trying to do. And our advice and view should be well expansive for everybody, irrespective of their deprivation status. This brings us to the end of the episode. To conclude, although the latest evidence suggests a link between COVID-19 and new cases of diabetes, there's still a lot of unknown factors. While we can't be sure if COVID-19 is directly causing diabetes, clinicians should be aware of the increased risk following COVID-19 infection, as well as the increased risk of diabetic ketoacidosis in the event of a COVID-19 infection in people with type 2 diabetes. Thanks for joining us. As a reminder, all the references discussed in the episode are available in the notes, as well as a link to our website, diabetes.knowledgeintopractice.com, where you can claim CME credits and find other free resources for diabetes. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to receive new episodes as soon as they're released. See you next time.